everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Brian Fanzo, a digital futurist focused on leveraging technology to amplify the future of work. He is the founder of iSocial Fans, where he has helped launch the digital strategies for some of the world's most iconic brands, including Adobe, IBM, the UFC, Dell, and many others. He has been recognized by The Economist as a top 25 social business leader of the future. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brian. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm going to kick us off by simply asking you a question about a philosophy that you discuss frequently, which you refer to as think like a fan. So what does that mean to you and why is it powerful? Well, I think first off, you know, as a marketer, uh, my last name's Fanzo. So think like a fan. It kind of, it played nicely together in the, uh, you know, association by my last name. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I look at things like, I don't think like a marketer for the most part. I look at things from a standpoint of what's working, kind of uh, you know, analyzing, uh, you know, the different trends. I worked uh, with the U.S. government for nine years, uh, deploying uh, training solutions uh, around cybersecurity and collaboration, and then was an evangelist for a data center company uh, where we are moving co uh, companies into the cloud, you know, booming startup. Uh, and then for the last six years, I've been an entrepreneur working with some of these brands on really innovative strategies uh, around like influencer marketing and live video. And one of the questions we're always kind of stumped with is like, okay, what, what is the best type of marketing? Should we use content marketing? What type of content should we use? And even, even things as much to say like, okay, what are, what are the, some of the things that we, we want to go, you know, quote unquote viral or we should start talking about. And I think the, the interesting part of that, if we, if we think about it from only what we want, it's, there's, it's never going to win, right? It's never going to sit from the, the right side. So the think like a fan concept really just means put yourself in the shoes of your fans and ask yourself, what would you want or what do they want? Or even go as far as asking your fans, right? It's polling your audience. Hey, what are, what are some of the content you would love to see us post on Instagram or maybe on your next email newsletter? You know, we're thinking about creating a, a video series for our upcoming training solutions. Um, what are some of the topics you'd love us to cover? And interestingly enough, by kind of bridging that gap, it eliminates that, that worry we sometimes get with like, ooh, are we too salesy or was that too markety? Because if you do it from the fan's perspective, it, you, can be, you can integrate some marketing and sales, but it doesn't have to be too much. And so that's what truly think like a fan kind of represents. And it also kind of fits into the greater role of empathy and our, our need to really be able to feel for others, a, a deep, that deep understanding. And the only way we can truly feel what our customers, what our audience is going through is for us to actually walk in their shoes. So it, it originally was, you know, I would say look more in marketing, but the more we kind of focus on empathy, it just makes a lot more sense to, for us to really shift our mindset, not what do we want to create, but hey, what, if we were in the shoes of our fans, what would they love to create? What, how can we help them? And that's really where you know, it kind of changes the game. I love the reframing that you, you use there, and I think it's a powerful way to think about it. And for those in our audience who have not seen some of Brian's content, it might come through in his voice that he is exceptionally comfortable behind the camera, behind the microphone. It's definitely a gross understatement to say that about you, but how do individuals who are somewhat intimidated by the medium, whether that means a podcast or a video or whatever, how do you utilize it as a tool to get your message across if you're not as fundamentally comfortable with a certain medium? 
Well, first off, I appreciate those kind words. Um, second, um, you know, I graduated uh, college in 2003, uh, went to work for the US government, and we, we were building training solutions and then deploying them uh, around the world. I did 54 countries. I uh, would usually travel, you know, 40 weeks a year. We were doing four classes a week at one point. And through the, all of those years, you know, YouTube came out uh, around, you know, those early years. All the way up until 2012, I had exactly two videos total on the internet, two, as of 2012. So in 2012, I started a Google Hangout show back when Google Plus was around, and I started just doing interviews. And for me, that was a very nice, comfortable way to get into video because it really wasn't about me. It was about the other person on video, and I could kind of take the, take the focus off of me, ask the questions, kind of uh, reshaping them there. And then, you know, my aha moment um, actually kind of came twofold. So in November 2013, actually it was November 2nd, 2013, uh, I'm a mama's boy. My mom kind of called me out and she was like, Brian, I don't know if you're, if you're being your authentic self online. She's like, you seem like you get stressed about, you know, social media or video. And of course, you know, me being in my, you know, uh, early 30s, I'm like, mom, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. This is social media. Uh, and I got off the phone. And I was like, she's right. I, I had spent a lot of time trying to create content what, what the, for what other people wanted, not telling my story. And, and it was this idea that not only that like a desire to be perfect, but you know, it was really, how do I put myself in the conversation? And on that day, I, I wrote in big letters on my mirror, uh, be yourself in, 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 a, in, a, in a marker on the mirror. And then, uh, you know, like that was really my, like, okay, I'm just gonna put myself out there. And then um, in March of that following year, so March of 2014, live video came out. It was an app called Meerkat, that, then there was an app called Periscope, and then of course, Facebook Live that's out now. And I tell that story because the, for me, what had happened was that I had my aha moment. Um, I was in Barcelona at an event working with Dell, and I had spent four days creating video content for, for the audience. And this live streaming app came out so I went live on this app for the first time. I had no idea what it was. And the first person that came on the, the live video came on and was like, oh my goodness, are you in Barcelona? Can you go show me the Microsoft booth? And I realized in that moment, I had spent four days there and not once shown the Microsoft booth. And what live video kind of allowed me to do was let my guard down, not have to be perfect. It really fit my mold exactly to what I wanted. And so here's where the advice comes. And this is what I've learned. And this is, I, you know, I've now coached hundreds of people. A lot of people will tell you, oh, hey, your audience is on YouTube, or you need to create an Instagram account because that's where your people are, or maybe even on Facebook. And what, what that advice says is you need to create your, your content where your audience is. And I'm going to actually challenge that. I'm going to tell you, don't create the, the place you should start is where you are most comfortable. So if you like talking, maybe create a podcast. If you like being, uh, be, you like being on video, but you like being on, you know, on yourself, start doing video. If you like writing, you know, start telling your story via writing. I think it's really important to get your feet wet and kind of get, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I can tell you, you know, talking to yourself into a camera with no audience is weird and awkward at the beginning. If you go back and look at some of my, my early videos, it's, you know, it's very awkward and very, you know, there's definitely a struggle to kind of make all of that kind of feel comfortable, but it's definitely consistency. It's rapport. You start getting used to what you say when you start the video, what you say when you end the video. But for me, I think the, the magic is 
don't start where your audience is. Start where you're most comfortable because then it, it doesn't force you to like uh, overcome a second thing, which is the platform you don't know. And, and just to be clear, like YouTube to this day still intimidates me. So I create lots of video, you know, almost 5,000 videos in the last five years, but not very many of them on YouTube. I do a lot on LinkedIn. I do a lot of live video. And so it doesn't matter as much about the platform. It's more about getting comfortable with the medium. And then I have two rules for this kind of video space. And the first one is perfection is a fairy tale. If you are trying to be perfect, you will never be good on video. There's no such thing as perfect. And I don't even like the, uh, the, the old adage of, you know, done is better than perfect, because that, mean, that means you're still trying to accomplish perfect. And I will tell you, even the greatest you know, video creators that you know, are in our space are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So that's rule number one. And then rule number two is that control is an illusion. And what I mean by that is you can't control what happens. And if something goes wrong, I mean, we've all been on these Zoom calls recently where, you know, people are on mute or the kids, I mean, I, kids walk in. For those that are listening to this, my kids walked in uh, on the podcast uh, recording. So I'm, I'm proving right there that perfection's a fairy tale. You know, although I've hosted five podcasts and do these all the time and control's an illusion. I couldn't control that there was someone knocking on my, on my door here uh, at my house. But if you get over those two things, if you don't allow those two things to be your barrier, Barriers and you start where you're comfortable, it starts to click and you start to have these little aha moments. And one of my favorite things that I get all the time, it usually happens between like the 10th video and the 100th video. So it's, it's a wide range and people will just come and say, it is really as easy as just pressing the button and going. And that's kind of what I've learned. And that's where, you know, my comfort comes from it, you know, doing all of these videos. But I can tell you, um, it's definitely a gradual space and something that I wasn't born for video and video. If you would have asked me, you know, eight years ago, if I would be doing uh, video content, I would have said, no way. Well, what? video, not a chance. Uh, and today it's, you know, it's definitely the medium that grows my business the most. One of the things that when we reached out to our network and mentioned that we were going to talk to you, the question that we got time and time again was, what does preparation look like for you? If you have a big virtual keynote coming up or you're delivering a virtual training, we're all in this virtual medium a lot more than we were three, six, nine months ago. What does preparation look like for you? What allows you to be successful? So interestingly enough, you know, I've, I, I, the last couple of years, I've averaged about 60 uh, keynotes on stage, you know, on, uh, at the different events I speak at. And virtual actually takes more practice, more, there's so many more variables that are involved. But just like in the videos, I kind of have like a set way of doing it. And I think this is important for everyone, is you want to set your environment around you for you to be the most successful. And so like my secret is I, I can't read from a teleprompter. As soon as I start reading from a teleprompter, I become robotic. While at the same time, I have a structure and a, you know, a, a very clean desire, you know, place that I want to go with my, my conversations. And so with my videos and with my, you know, the content I create, I always boil things down to five things. So I always have five, it's always a sticky note and there's always one through five. And usually the first three things are three key takeaways that I want the audience to remember. So there are three things that, it doesn't mean they're gonna be on a slide necessarily, but there'll probably be three things that I'll come back to multiple times, right? Like perfection's a fairy tale, as you'll hear in this, in this podcast, right? So there's three things that I'm like, I don't care if no one remembers anything else, but if they remember these three things, that is my goal. And then number four is usually a story story that is relatable with the audience I'm trying to connect with. And sometimes I'll put like the title of the story. Sometimes I'll put a couple words next to that bullet just to like kind of trigger something. And then number five is usually, um, I would say humor, but I don't think I consider myself someone that's funny. It's more 
self-deprecating humor or something that can be really just kind of connect and thread um, the conversation all the way through, right? So, you know, admitting to my own imperfections might be uh, part of that. And so that's really the, those, that, that rule of five is kind of how I do a lot of my, um, my, it's how I do every video, by the way, every single video always has five, even from a six minute video to a 30 minute video, they always have five, right? Like it, it just depends on how much I expand and where I go. But when it comes to virtual, virtual to me, uh, I've been doing virtual for many years, but interestingly enough in my business, I was using virtual to sell offline keynotes and workshops and trainings. And all of a sudden come March, I lost all of the offline piece and I had to sell virtual, I had to use virtual to sell virtual, which is a whole nother animal in itself. And so one of the things that I looked at was how can I push the envelope and show off what my skill set is. And what, what I try work really hard on is that the stories I'm telling, that, that entire thread of my virtual presentation, it's not as much about what is on the slides or what is on the screen. You know, I use, I have five cameras set up here in my home office. You know, I use different overlays, but it's really how, how do these all together tell the story I'm trying to tell. And what I mean by that is I don't let the, the slides don't lead me and I don't lead the slides. We kind of play well together. And the other piece of that is I, I, I practice, you know, a lot. I, I can tell you, I practice, you know, everything from doing different bits on a live video to um, my team knows this pretty well. I, I'll just call them up and say, hey, let's all jump on a Zoom. I want to work out this story with you. And, I, and I'll, I'll explain the story and I'll usually say, well, what are your thoughts? Because the story for me is integrated in my talk for a reason. And if, although they love the story, if the thoughts they have don't match what my goal was, I don't use it. And so I'm, I'm pretty, you know, pretty good at kind of directing that. And so I, I think, you know, my real advice there is setting up your environment, which means everything from the web camera to the type of microphone you use, and then really understanding what is the way that you present. I have lots of friends that will write out word for word, every single word they're going to say in their presentation. And they're really good at memorizing that. So they're, they don't have to worry about anything, right? That didn't work for me as much. I like to do kind of those five bullets, create some swim lanes, and then design the content that way. You were on video recently, and it's a good segue what you just said there, and I'm going to quote you directly. You said, although you may be an expert in your space, you need to adapt yourself, you need to adjust your expectations, and you must approach everything with a new lens. How do you suggest some of us get over the hurdle when things worked before for us, either in, the, in person or on stage or in a meeting room, and it just might not work in the new normal? How do you get over that hurdle? How have you gotten over that hurdle in the past? So I think, you know, one of the things that I look at change is sometimes we look at change as the, is, it's the result of something we did wrong or something that happened. But I look at change as the result of everything we've done that has prepared us to do what's next. And I think if we, you know, I, as, as someone like my, my mission with a lot of the talks that I give is helping people see the synergy between innovation and humanity. And I'm a big believer that technology should actually feel, make us feel more connected and actually allow us to be more productive, more in touch with our, with our audience. And we should feel less alone. The suicide rate should go down, all of these things. And right now it doesn't, right? We're, we oftentimes are using technology as a band-aid. We're using technology for technology's sake. And also in some cases, we haven't fully given ourselves to what this world kind of looks like. But I think where we're at right now in 2020, we are in a very interesting point. And, I, and I'm an optimist, very passionate with, about what I do. But this is what I've been preaching for many years is that I feel as though we are at this, we are this beautiful point where together we get to shape 
what the future is going to look like. It's not about going back to the old ways or even the old norm, but we, we, can't, we can't unlearn the fact that all of a sudden we work from home. We can't unlearn that a majority of us have now figured out where the mute button is on a Zoom call, right? Like these are things that are now existing. But with that being said, the question that we have to start looking at or the, what we have to start approaching is how can we ask questions about some of our business that we probably haven't asked in years and are we willing to be honest with our answers? And what I mean by that is we might be like, wow, you know, I don't really share much about my, my family online. Like that's just something I, I never have in my business. But then if you think about it in 2020 and you think about every business is in the business of trust. And when we're building trust and maintaining trust, we don't build trust by what we market or what we sell or what we do. We, mar we, we build trust by who we are and why we do what we do. And it's so interesting. And, and, and for some people, it might be like, oh, I don't know about that. Think about it in your offline business. When you're, you know, go to the golf course, you go to the tanning salon, you go to the, cl the, the clubhouse, the, things, the conversations you have with people that become your customers or your partners oftentimes isn't about what you did. You know, you're on the golf course, we talk about everything other than business. And I think that's something that when, for whatever reason, when we go online, oftentimes we all of a sudden only talk about business. And then we're like, well, you know, vir virtual and online isn't as valuable for us as offline is. And my challenge back is, are you willing to be as honest, open, transparent, authentic online as you are offline. And it's scary, a little bit intimidating. And you know, for me, I was diagnosed uh, ADHD at 31 years old and I found out I was you know, technically diagnosed when I was younger, but the stigma around it was something that wasn't there. And being diagnosed ADHD at, at 31, it, it was a big weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt like I kind of discovered who I was. But if you would have asked me at that moment, it was, it was very freeing for me individually, but it wasn't something I would have ever talked about publicly. And as I started to connect with people, and I remember the, the day very well, and in 2015, I was on stage and someone asked a question about like, what is something that people should know about me that they don't know? And at the time I said, you know, actually I was diagnosed ADHD uh, and it's changed my life. I'm currently medicated. And a mom came up to me afterwards um, and she's ha she actually had FaceTime on her phone. And she's like, can you just say what you said on stage to my son? My son's going through something right now. And he's very happy that, he that he's found this out about himself, but he kind of is afraid to put it out there. And I remember talking to him about it a little bit back and forth. And from that day, I remember thinking, you know what, this is who I am. And I can tell you for me and my business and, and how I kind of put myself out there on, on social and video and content that I get more business leads because people are like, hey, I followed you. I, I knew you were in marketing, but then I started hearing about your, your love for being a dad of three girls. And then, I'll, then I remember, you know, like my, my dad's a dad of three girls and we started connecting or they'll, they'll say, hey, I've been struggling with some you know, mental uh, health things in my life. I love that you were able to share this. And so what I kind of wrap that around is that we, are, we connect much more with our vulnerabilities than we do with the things that we are great at or the things that we do in life. And so I challenge all of us to re-examine what you share, how you share it. And this isn't all of a sudden you turn on the switch and you're, you're dumping out everything to the world. Trust me, it's, it's about baby steps, right? Like I, I always quote the, the movie, What About Bob with Bill Murray, right? Like baby steps to the elevator. It's, you know, hey, I'm gonna start talking about, maybe I'm gonna drip in something here. Or maybe I'm gonna share that because when it comes down to it, the one thing, no matter, you know, we have five generations in the work for us right now, five, for the first time in history, five generations. You cannot market or connect with all five of those generations doing one thing except 
being human and, and connecting at that human level. And so that to me is what excites me. It's where I, why I'm passionate about this topic. It's why I talk so fast. Uh, actually, I talk so fast my entire life. But like, to me, this is where we're moving. And I think if we're able to kind of, you know, and this is, this is something else just real quick on, I think we oftentimes make a mistake where say, okay, we did this offline. How do we repurpose it online? And there's a reason that online will never replace what we do in real life. It just doesn't, it, it, there's no chance that it'll ever replace. Like don't mistake my advice for believing that you know, online will replace offline. But if we are willing to strip away the mechanics of what we do offline and talk about the experience and then look at that experience through a virtual lens, it's a game changer. It's what I'm doing with all the brands that I'm working with, all the clients. I do it everything from a sponsored event. Someone's like, hey, I sponsored a happy hour. I, how do I sponsor a happy hour virtually? And we simply, okay, well, let's throw away the, the happy hour part. Let's throw away the fact that we're in a bar. What is it doing? Okay, we're facilitating conversation. We're bringing together these strategic groups of people. We have these certain hours that everyone's there. That, you know, it's also before something else that we're doing. Okay, let's take that experience and figure out a way. Maybe let's hire a professional bartender. Let's send um, mixing kits to all of our partners and then tell them, hey, at seven o'clock tonight, we're gonna have a professional bartender teach us how to make drinks everyone bring their kit that we sent them and let's all jump on a zoom call all of a sudden we reinvented the experience that we said never could be redone which is the happy hour offline and so that's that's kind of the, the lens that i think we can all do that and i don't it doesn't matter what your business is i truly do believe if you're willing to ask the questions again and reinvent yourself you can really take advantage of virtual in, in some amazing ways so before we move into the rapid fire questions that we ask all guests, I want to ask you something. You sit behind the camera and put out content frequently. What is it when you're watching content that really brings you in? What are some things that people are doing that's making you compelled to pay attention and put down your phone and focus entirely on what they're presenting? Oh, this is one of my favorite things. I have, um, my, my family and, and friends will know this. I have multiple notebooks throughout my house. And oftentimes, uh, every Netflix show I watch, I actually take notes. And what I do is I, I'll say, okay, I'm gonna watch this show. And I write down, what about the show did I decide to write it, watch it? Was it some, I saw a tweet and somebody recommended it. Maybe it was the thumbnail on, of the, of the you know, show in the Netflix queue. Maybe it was because it said, that we know that you liked Breaking Bad and this show we recommend because of that, right? And I actually write that down. And then I usually write down things like, okay, what, based on the description of the show, what do I think the show is gonna be about? And then after the show's over, I go back to my notes and I write down what I felt. And, and what, the reason I kind of do that analyst is to answer this question you're kind of referring to is I really wanted to approach things, you know, this whole thing like a fan piece is that you kind of have to live it yourself. And so for me, one of the places that I found really compelling is our ability to drop the need to be perfect in a very um, upfront way right out of the start. So if you've seen like the Domino's commercials right now, you know, Domino's is, is allowing each one of their Domino's drivers to submit a vertical video of them, you know, as part of the commercial. And they don't mix words at the beginning. They're not trying to hide as if like nothing has changed in delivering pizzas. They own it, right? Like, hey, we know that you guys are worried about, you know, coming in contact with people, but we want you to hear from the people that are on the streets. And the videos are 
really raw, oftentimes a mess behind them. But for me, it's that ability that's that they're not trying to convince us of something that we know that is not true because here's the piece of it that I think is really powerful is if you are trying to be perfect right now, right now in the current day and age we are at, the very first impression that I get when I see a brand, an ad, a piece of content being perfect is that they are lying to me or they believe I am not smart. Because if, if we believe that perfection is not obtainable and we know that every business has been infected, every person has been infected, then don't lie to me out of the start. And, and what I mean by that is by simply admitting kind of like, hey, this is what's going on or kind of level setting, what it actually does is it actually adds validity to the rest of the conversation. Because if I know that you're willing to say, hey, I know things are a little bit difficult, we can't go into the studio, but I wanted to bring this content to you. By simply setting that up, I'm like, wow, they're, they're, they're real, they're not trying to lie to me, they're not trying to pull something over on me. I'm gonna believe what they have to say afterwards. And so that to me is what excites me the most. Um, that's, you know, that piece of it is a big one. And I would say if I had to give one word of, of advice, if I, I know I talk fast, so hopefully your audience isn't used to listening to a podcast on one and a half speed. If so, I sound like Mickey Mouse. So I'm sure they've already, they've already slowed it down at this point. But the, the one word is access access. Today, we are all craving access. We are craving access to people, access to places, access to experience, access to knowledge, access to products. If you have a new product coming, why not create content behind the scenes, the war room? If you're, gonna, if you're launching a, maybe a new initiative or maybe a new program on your website, why not you know, the week leading up to it, do a series of live videos where you show people, hey, I'm stressed out about the landing page. Hey, we're testing these colors. Can we get your feedback? that access actually allows people to feel as though they're part of the journey with you, not you advertising or marketing at them. Because I, will go, I, guess, I think we can all agree, nobody wants to be marketed to right now, nobody wants to be at, sold to right now, nobody wants an ad in their face. But we do want to feel like we're a part of something. And I think if we can take a little bit of access and start sprinkling that in our content, you'll start to see some really interesting dynamics and you'll start to see trust really blossom. Well, embracing the imperfections and providing access is a wonderful spot to shift us to our final two rapid fire questions. And the first one is this, Brian, if you could describe your personal leadership style in one word, what would it be? I would say it's in one word, it's transparent. Uh, when I was managing a group of 34 employees for the U.S. government um, and Foursquare, the, the, the uh, app where you check into different locations, um, came out, um, I was very big on results-based with my team of 34 employees. We were all remote, all working around the U.S. And I told them, I was like, I, want, I don't care if you work you know, 40 hours over two days or 40 hours over the whole week. I care about the results at the end. And I said, that means if you want to play golf, you want to do what you want. And what I did at that very beginning was, here's access to my, my location. Find your friends on your iPhone. I want you guys to know where I'm at. If I'm on the golf course or if I'm, um, I'm in a grocery store or if I'm somewhere, I want you guys to see that you have the same access to me and hold me to the same standard. And I can tell you that's been my, my best recipe from day one is, to just be you know, really transparent in everything that I'm doing, the things that I want to accomplish, and it's, it's worked wonders. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? You know, interestingly enough, my dad uh, is the, the smartest marketer business person I've ever met, but I was also one that butted heads with my dad for many years. And I think the, the best advice he had always given me was that, you know, that you, your word is bond. 
And if you're going to say you're going to do something, you better do it. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, sure, dad, of course. And you know, like, you know, you know, power of a handshake and that, that kind of thing. But I, over, over the years, it, it has really been one of those things. And, and it comes into little things like content creation, right? If, you, if you're going to launch a podcast and it's going to be an every week podcast, you better put that podcast out every week, right? It, because if you don't and someone wants to work with you, how are their first impression is, wow, they say they're going to do this and they're not doing it, right? And it doesn't matter if it's not directly related to your business. So for me, it was, you know, it, it really was, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to do some, if you're going to say you're going to do something, you better deliver. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for all the great insight. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Sure. So um, my brand uh, across social media is iSocialFans with a Z at the end. My last name is Fanzo. Um, I'm on every social network that exists. Uh, I do a lot of testing. Um, you don't have to be on every network and I don't recommend following me on every network because I do create a lot of content. But uh, pick your favorite social network. Uh, give me a follow, iSocialFans. Um, I have a new podcast that came out a couple months ago and it's called Press the Damn Button, uh, which is also the book that I have coming out uh, at the beginning of next year uh, where I interview different guests on what buttons they have pressed throughout their career uh, and it's you know not a physical button but what things they've actually done or just taken action on that has made them uh, successful and if you're looking for um, you know virtual content virtual presentations being better on video um, my website for all of that is brianfanzo.com so first name last name dot uh, com I have a new YouTube channel that's linked up there uh, posting you know two or three blogs a week uh, on my site all around you know virtual presentations uh, how I'm using Prezi how I set up my five cameras, uh, different software. So all of that stuff over there on uh, brianfanzo.com. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Well, I will definitely make the personal plug as well. Your content is great. It's super interactive. And thank you for joining us. And thank you to all of our great listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead Podcast. Thank you.